All right. <laughs> Little run behind, run from behind the drum cage, but we good. We out here. Uh, how's everybody doing? Oh, what? Let's try that again. How's everybody doing? Oh, man. Okay, one more time. How's everybody doing tonight? Okay, all right. All right. Welcome to Echo. Oh, try it again. Welcome to Echo. Okay, all right, all right. I'm just checking. I'm just checking. Hey, just a, a reminder on the announcements because they're super important. Next week, what's happening next Wednesday? Our annual Halloween party. There'll be lots of food, lots of fun, lots of friends, lots of costumes, okay? But no uh, scary costumes, please, and no uh, promiscuous ones, please. Um, Ken. Uh, but... Uh, uh, that's it, and then we have our, our hangouts this weekend. So Friday and Saturday, guys, we're doing just a one-night camping trip. We're going to meet here at the church at 4.30. Um, please come see me afterwards if you're planning on coming, because uh, i got to get enough food for everybody and all that kind of stuff. So far, I think we have Chris, Andres, Jeremiah, Simon, uh, and a few of the leaders, and a couple others. But anyways, uh, well, I'll send texts around and stuff like that, too. And then girls, ladies, make sure to text Danielle uh, and or Sarah. Uh, if you guys are going to the pumpkin patch on Saturday. And I'd encourage you guys, if you, because uh, I know you guys uh, aren't, like, you know, super busy and whatnot. So um, I would make it a priority to get to these hangouts. They're just a, a really great opportunity for us to take it one step uh, further of just getting to know each other, becoming uh, closer friends. And it's fun to hang out outside of the context of a Wednesday night. And so we're trying our best to make those uh, fun for you guys so you can bring your friends to. Uh, but make that a priority if you can. Okay, everybody? Sounds good? Uh, and everybody give it up for Ken. He did a great job uh, sharing those announcements. It's awesome. Okay, let's get right into it. Uh, it is 7.20, so uh, we're going to try and, uh, I shouldn't say this, but I'm going to. We're going to try and get you out of here a little early uh, so we have more time to hang out and play some games. And you know, I know you guys are having fun outside, so we're going to do all that kind of good stuff. Um, but we are in... Week six, everybody say week six. We're in week six of our series called The House of Who? David. The House of David. And uh, we've been on this journey of going through the Bible cover to cover, and this is where we're at. We're at First and Second Samuel. Uh, and then we're going to go into First and Second uh, Kings and some of that kind of stuff too. It's going to be really great. Um, but this story, especially David, is really important to the, the biblical story because uh, we see kind of from Genesis all the way up until First and Second Samuel, it kind of points all the way to David, which eventually you realize that it points through David to Jesus, but it kind of all uh, points to David. As we see at the end, Boaz and Ruth, and, and they are David's grand, like great-grandparents, I think, or great-great-grandparents, something like that. Um, so it all points here. So we learned about Samuel, who's a wonderful uh, prophet, wonderful man. We learned about Saul, who was uh, started off a great and humble man and kind of um, lived long enough to become uh, the villain. <laughs> what, what movie says that? Is that Batman? Anyways. Um, you either, what is it? You either die a hero or live long enough to... That's <laughs> exactly how I said it. It's perfect. Um, so that was Saul. And then we have David, who's the next king. And David was great. David was like, and as, as we know the end of the story, we know Jesus, we see that David is like this, this like Old Testament kind of like 
um, almost like a, like a foreshadowing of who Jesus is going to be, right? He's a good shepherd. He's a, he's a good king. Uh, he's a good man until all of a sudden, last week, we talked about the great sin that David had, right? And he stole someone's wife, killed the guy, uh, and then we just see that things kind of start to dissipate uh, on that front. And so uh, what we're seeing is that, uh, and this is really important, David's sin, and we can, can we be mature for a second? Okay, let's be, all be mature because you guys are junior high and high schoolers and you know about this stuff, okay? But David's terrible sin was a sin uh, that we would categorize as a sexual sin, right? And what we know of in the New Testament, Jesus talks often about sexual sins and how those types of sins um, are, are, are really bad. And here's the reason uh, we could see it in this story that David has this sin, right, that we don't need to go into detail, but we know, <laughs> right? And afterwards we see his family like fall apart. We see that, uh, that, that he has, they have a, a a miscarriage, right? A baby that doesn't make it. Then they have, uh, David has a bunch of kids. But then this next part of the story, I was going to skip this part because it's kind of a lot. But we're going to talk about it because I think it's really important. This next part of the story, David has a bunch of kids, okay? And David has a son named Absalom. Everybody say Absalom. Absalom. That is a crazy name. But Absalom is, uh, according to the Bible, Absalom is a lot like David. It talks about how Absalom was, in appearance, it literally says this in the Bible, that in appearance, Absalom was perfect. They said he was like a tall glass of water. You know what I mean? Like, like this was like, I don't know what the, the, the new hotness is, but he was better than like Brad Pitt for the older, Zac Efron for the newer, and then, you know, I don't know what the new one is, okay? It's probably some... Tom Hamill or something, I don't know, but um, <laughs> Chris Pratt, <laughs> Chris Hemsworth, um, what, what's the guy that plays Spider-Man, is it Tom something, Holland, I said Hamill, that's the old DYD, it's, it's probably not him, <laughs> but love you if, if you're listening, but <laughs> I don't think he is, <laughs> so we're good, uh, Tom Holland, sorry, that was awkward, um, <laughs> anyways, he's a good looking dude, he has this brother named Amnon. Can you say Amnon? <laughs> Talk to you like Vince. Can you say Amnon? He got, <laughs> anyway, um, so something terrible happens in this story. And if we could be mature, we're going to just kind of graze over it and get to the main part. Uh, but what happens is, so if you remember, David has a bunch of wives. Which means David has a bunch of kids and not all of them are fully related. They're like half siblings and all that kind of stuff. So it's really messy, really weird. Okay? And so Amnon is one of the sons, and Amnon is in love with his half-sister Tamar, which is weird, as we know. It's super weird, and the Bible even says it's weird, okay? And so what happens is, though, is that Amnon takes advantage of Tamar, okay? We don't need to get into detail, but uh, he defiles Tamar and, and throws her out of his house, and it's this big thing. Anyways, Tamar is Absalom's full-blood sister. So Absalom is ticked off. Like, if, if anybody messes with your brother or sister, right, you'd be ticked off, right? If anyone messes with my sister, like I, I've told you that story that there was these guys trying to kidnap my sister one time and I saved her from that. I was, you know what I mean? Like, anybody mess with my sister, it's crazy. If you haven't heard that story, I'll tell you later. But it would take too much time. Um, but Absalom's mad. So what Absalom does 
is Absalom avenges his sister and kills his brother, Amnon. Whoa, messy. Remember, everything was pretty good for David. And then David uh, sinned. And though David was forgiven by God, the, the real world consequences still happen. Does that make sense, everybody? And so for us... Uh, when this is a, a really good reason not to sin. It's not because you're going to be perfect and you're going to get yourself into heaven because you don't sin. That's not what we teach here. We teach that you, you're saved by grace. But here's the thing, that sin has real-world consequences. If I, if I, if I murder someone, <laughs> that has real-world consequences. If I lie to someone and it becomes a bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger lie, that has real-world consequences, even if God forgives me of it. Does that make sense? So God forgave David, but there's real world consequences. We see his family starts to fall apart. So there's, there's, there's weird uh, uh, ancestral relationships. There's murder in the family. And so what happens is Absalom, because he feels guilty because he killed his brother, Absalom runs away. Side note, funny story. One time my brother tried to run away from the house. Not because he killed me, obviously. But... <laughs> My brother packed his bag. He was mad. Like he had, my brother had like 24 missing assignments or something in like one class. And my dad was yelling at him. My dad was like, I'm going to send you to boot camp, you know. And I don't even know what it was about. But my brother's like, that's it. I'm out of here. You know, and he's like 13. <laughs> and so he packs this bag. I like walk into his room. I was like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm out of here, dude. I can't do this anymore. And he's like, I'm being oppressed, you know, I, whatever 13-year-olds say. And he's like packing his bag. And I was like, bro, are you serious? He's like, yeah, dude. I love you. It's been great. But I'm out. And I was like, all right. So I'm like, this is my older brother. I'm super sad. And he, he, he grabs his stuff, throws it over his shoulder, and he walks down the street. And he's like, hey, I'll, I'll love you forever. I'll see you on the other side. And, like, walks, <laughs> going out. And I was like, tears, you know, big tears coming down. He's gone. My brother's gone, you know. And my room faced the front of the house. And so the house sat on a street like this. But then there was a street right in front of the house, like a T, right? And so he walks down the street going that way. And I'm looking out my window. <laughs> My brother. And he gets like three quarters of the way down the street, and there's like a light pole. And he sits under the light pole for like 30 minutes, just contemplating life. And, uh, and then he starts punching the light pole. So he's, he's getting some anger out or something. And then he turns around and he comes back. <laughs> and he gets to the house. I was like, well, that was quick. And he's like, yeah, I got pretty far. And then I realized I don't have anywhere to go. So, so anyways, I'm back. Anyways, but that, we see that story in the Bible often of folks running away and realizing, I don't have anywhere to go. So th that's where this is going to go eventually. But Absalom takes off, and he's out, and he's kind of uh, exiled for like three years. Everybody say three years. All right? Freshman to junior year of high school. Okay? I'm just kidding. Um, and someone comes to David and is like, hey, why is your son cast out? Why don't you invite your son back in to the kingdom? Which is a good thing, right? Invite your son back in. Because David was sad for his son. He loved Absalom a lot. So what happens is David then, and this is all in, by the way, this is all in 2 Samuel chapters like 13 through 20. Um, and I'll read a, another scripture at the end, but I'm just getting the story because it would be a lot of reading if I did that, okay? So anyways, David says, okay, Absalom, come back. And so Absalom comes back, but what? this is weird. David says, you can come back, but you got to live in your own house, and you can't see me. So it's like this weird, like, conditional, like, hey, I'm your dad, and I love you. Come back to, to Israel, but you got to live in your own household, and you can't see me. It's kind of weird, right? Raise your hand if you think that's kind of weird. 
right? If you ran away from your home and your parents are like, yeah, come on back, but you got to live in the backyard and you can't see me, okay? We'll, we'll drop food off morning, lunch, and afternoon, okay? Uh, but that's how it was. And so Absalom starts to get bitter, as, as, as we might do. And Absalom basically says, Dad, why would you even invite me back? I should have just stayed where I was at. It's the same thing. <laughs> Why am I even here? And so Absalom gets bitter in his heart. His heart hardens. And Absalom then creates this conspiracy against David, raises up an army, and then decides he wants to kill David, his dad. That escalated quickly. So then now, guess, who's, guess who runs away now? David. So David's outcast. Absalom's the new king. And then it goes where... Uh, the house of David, the folks that are with him are like, we got to get back. You're the right, rightful king, all this kind of stuff. And so they split up into armies because they're coming after David, right? And so they split up into different armies. And then basically Absalom, this is kind of funny, but not. Absalom's like riding his horse. And then he like hits a tree and the horse keeps going and he stops. And he's like hung up by his hair on this tree. And then uh, David's men go and kill Absalom. So it's this whole big messy story. Right? Should be a reality TV show. Talk about like a messy family, right? And so now David's king again. It's like snip, 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 you know, back and forth. David's king again, but, it, but his son died, and now he's weeping, and he's mourning his son. And then they're like, wait, we killed him because of you, because he hated you. What's so it's a mess. Everybody say, a mess. So now you might be thinking, Brett, what is in the story for me, right? Obviously, we're not doing any, you know, Weird things like the beginning of the story. Obviously, we're not killing our siblings. Obviously, I'm not running away from being king or not king. What's the point of this story for me, right? The point of this story is it points back to Jesus again. And here's why, okay? David was a good king. David was a good shepherd. David was even at times a good father, but he was never the great king the great shepherd, or the great father, uh, who is Jesus. Amen? And so what this points to is, once again, that David was close, but he wasn't Jesus. David was, was a picture of what it could be like, potentially, but still flawed and still sinful. Even on our best days, even those of us that, are, that seem to be righteous and holy, we still fall short. We still fall short. And so here's the thing. The, the, the part of the story here for us is, is that we might be like Absalom. Some of us in the room, and it's not running away from home, but it's running away from God. Some of us in the room might have, we, we might have messed up, we might have done something that we feel guilty about, even if we had good intentions or whatever, and we feel like, man, I'm not worthy to show up to church. I'm not worthy to show up to youth group. I'm not worthy to share with my friends about God. And then we're scared that God will greet us like David did. Yeah, you could come back, but you can't come in the house. And you can't see me. Some of us feel shame like that level where, okay, well, maybe God still loves me, but I, I can't go to his house. And I, and I can't see him face to face. Right? I can't be in his presence. But here's the thing. Luke chapter 15, if you want to turn your Bibles there. And if you've, if you've been following um, or been with us through this whole series, what I, what I like to do is show you how each and every story in the Old Testament points to Jesus, right? And here's a really cool 
story. So Jesus tells a story. Raise your hand if you've heard the story of the prodigal son. I've preached it a bunch of times. Anybody ever heard the story of the prodigal son? So, yes, let's recap real quick. There's a father and two sons. The younger son says, give me my inheritance. I'm out. Later, he goes and he spends it on sinful living, the Bible says. And eventually he's broke and he's eating pig's food. And he says, wait a second. Even the servants, even the slaves at my dad's house live better than this. I'm going to go back to my father's house and live as a slave just so I can have some food. And when he turns and he goes back, the Bible says right here, and we have the scripture, verse 20 of Luke chapter 15 says, So he got up and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, everybody say a long way off. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, quickly, bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. And bring the fattened calf, kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and he's been found. This is how David should have welcomed his son back into the house. While he was still a far ways off, no matter what you've done, I know, I know that you, you, you sinned and you killed your brother and, and, and it, was, it was rough and you did all these things, but... You can come back in the house and I'll give you a hug and I'm going to throw a party for you because, because you were dead but now you're alive. But you, some of you might be thinking, but that doesn't make any sense if Absalom did all those bad things. It doesn't actually make any sense if this prodigal son did all these bad things because the parent should be like, no, you did bad things, bad, 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 sleep in the yard. Sometimes we feel like that. Well, they deserve it. They deserve to be punished, right? We look at our friends who messed up and they see their life crashing. You're like, yeah, they deserve that. And sometimes we, we do something bad in our lives and then some bad, bad stuff starts happening to us and, and we're like, well, I deserve it. You know, I'm just worthless. We look in the mirror and we start telling our stuff bad stuff. Man, you're just, you're just worthless. You're ugly. You're stupid. You're Whatever. But God is like, man, would you, I'll throw a party for you. Come back into the house. I'd love to love you, you know. And the crazy thing about this story, if you, if you can imagine, Jesus is telling this story to a bunch of people who would know all these Old Testament stories. And there's a lot of parallels all of a sudden to Israel, right? The story talks of two sons. We see two sons in a lot of the stories that we've talked about, Cain and Abel. Two sons in Isaac and Ishmael, Jacob and Esau, Amnon and Absalom. There's a lot of these stories of the two sons, right? And there's like this kind of battle between the two sons. And then there's the birthright. Remember, Jacob tricked his brother out of the birthright, tricked his father out of giving him the wrong birthright, right? And he was like this deceiver. And Absalom with the birthright, right? We see this kind of rebellion, right? In Cain, Absalom, Jacob, Israel. But then we see this coming home. Where Absalom comes home, 
this kid comes home. And so everyone that's listening to the story is thinking about, man, the story of Israel and, oh, wait, 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 we're coming home. So what is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying, yes, the story is for us individually, but it's a story for us as the church. And at that time, he's saying, this is a story for the children of Israel. Come on home. I'm one with the Father. So Jesus is saying this completely compelling thing that, one, that he's God, he's the Father, and he's welcoming welcoming us back into the house. So let me finish with this. Super quick message. You're like, what? Here's the thing. This story isn't about what we could do right or do wrong. It's not about that. A lot of us in this room have done a lot of good. And a lot of us in this room have done a lot of bad, if we can be real. The point of the story is that no matter where you go, no matter how bad you mess up, God will always welcome you with arms wide and a hug and a kiss. And this isn't a license to go out and sin and do bad stuff. I'm not saying that. But what this is is a license to feel like you belong. Because we're going to go through life at times and feel like, man, I don't fit in. Anybody ever felt like that? Like, oh, I just don't fit in. I don't fit in with the crowd. I'm not like, I'm not, I'm not the popular kid. I'm not this. I'm not, what, where am I supposed to be, right? No, nobody likes me. Nobody cares for me. Nobody does anything. And what this story is saying is no matter who you are, no matter where you come from, Jesus loves you. Jesus wants to welcome you into the house, not just welcome you into the house as one of his servants. He wants to welcome you into the house with honor and with a party and wants to, to see you succeed, okay? And so Jesus loves you. That's what this story is about, is that you can mess up all the way. You've messed up yesterday. You messed up the day before or whatever, but tonight... Jesus is saying, come back to me. I love you so much. And here's my open arms. I'm throwing a party for you. The Bible says that when one person believes in Christ, all of heaven rejoices. It's the constant party in heaven that they're like, they were lost, but now they're found. So I'm grateful to be found. And I hope you are too. Let's stand up. Let's pray. We'll wrap it up tonight. And I'm not going to do like a raising of the hand or whatever, but Here's the thing, the gospel, the Bible simply says that if you believe in Christ, you believe that he died and rose again, you believe that he's Lord, right, you will be saved. And so if you're wondering through, man, am I saved or am I not saved, just believe in Jesus. Put your trust in Jesus. Put your identity in Christ and not in anything else, and you're saved. Amen? Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your loving arms. God, thank you that we can read stories like this in the Bible of David and Absalom and see the mistakes, but then we look to who you are, God, and we see that that you care for us, that you love us, that you are perfect. You're such a good father. And so God, help us to feel, as uh, young people in this room, God, help us to feel a sense of worth in you. God, not that we feel worthless, but we feel worthy, uh, God, because of who you are. God, you said that we were worth your son that died on the cross for us. So God, help us to, to uh, put our identity in Christ, know who we are in you. That greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. So we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen.